Hello boys and girls, and how are you doing this fantastic week, mid-May? Josh Belcher here, host of the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Had a really awesome podcast this week. We have rapper Chingy, right there, right there. We got stand-up comedian Calvin Evans and Jamie James, guitarist and vocalist with Dennis Quaid and the Sharks. Yes, that's right, that Dennis Quaid, Hollywood mega superstar. Really great lineup. All of them had really awesome stuff to tell me about. Uh, anyway, been a great week. Uh, finally got the uh, thumbs up to open back up the gym I work at part-time. Got to go back to work in my regular seven days a week. Really enjoyed getting back into it and seeing all the people and all the faces uh, working out myself. Uh, packed on a lot of unnecessary pudge in the last two months not being able to work out. Now, I've heard the same uh, stories from people I was conversing with, so I don't feel so bad. They said they try to work out at home, but it's just not the same. And, and like them and kindred spirits and like myself, um, for some reason, I just like working in public. I like to be in the gym with my headphones in and a group of people. I guess it's like um, you're in there getting it going and misery loves company. So there's other people in there hustling too. Uh, but it's not always miserable. I mean, your endorphins release and you feel good. But uh, glad the gym's back. And I also work there um, part-time on the weekends. The only thing I don't like is we have to wear these stuffy face mask and uh, I got short of breath a lot today while working because it's hard to breathe with one of those on and uh, you know I saw a comedy bit on social media where this guy was like he knows what boobies feel like now because it's like uh, having a bra wrapped around your face Uh, very uncomfortable to conduct business and try to work with that thing on but thankful that the gym is back open it's meant a whole lot to me to be back in it and um, working out and working there and seeing all those uh, familiar friendly faces um, so far so good so uh, been a really really great week in that uh, aspect Um, everything is going uh, pretty grand in my life Um, can't complain Um, just uh, rocking and rolling but anyway thank you for listening to the podcast I really appreciate it couldn't do any of this without you And uh, without further ado, let's get it going. Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast, and away we go. This artist is a St. Louis, Missouri native. We're talking about rap superstar Chingy. Remember from his songs Right There and One Call Away. He's got a brand new summer anthem called The Woedown. He's performing with Meg and Tyler. It's a hip-hop and country collaboration. We're fortunate enough to speak with him here on the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. And that's coming up right now. Kingy! Hey, Josh. How you doing? Hey, man. Privilege. Uh, Pleasure to talk to you. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm good, man. I can't complain. I'm just hanging in the house right now. I hear you. Hey, you, you and me both. Uh, Except electricity and powers out here uh, where I live. Uh, we had a big windstorm yesterday, so kind of had to. Oh, really? Sit, sit in the car to get some air conditioning. So I could talk to right. You. I feel you. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. I hear that. Well, hey, uh, this song came across the email, man. I absolutely love it, dude. I think it's a smash. Uh, I'm so Thank glad you. you're part of it. The woedown. It, it, it's it's the perfect feel-good anthem for our current situation. I think it's going to be the summer anthem. Uh, I'm just glad you're a part yeah. of it. I know, uh, you know, the key to a great musician is kind of collaborating or being willing to be universal, and you've definitely set the tone for that. Um, how how mm-hmm. did it come to be? How did this uh, with you and Megan Tyler? What, what made you decide to collaborate with these two people? How that song came to be? Actually, a cousin of mine was in Nashville doing some business, with um with his line of work, he was doing some business with um Gibson Guitar, and I believe Gibson Guitar had a showcase that Megan Tyler was um singing at for a couple of people in my cousin's business, a line of work that he does. So they went by Tyler's studio and um saw Megan Tyler, you know, doing a showcase and performing. And so um one of the young ladies there had told Megan Tyler that. Stan was my cousin, and I think um, Megan Tyler just, you know, um, asked Stan was it true, and you know, just was talking to Stan. And uh-huh. so, Stan, my cousin, had he uh, got back with me, was like, man, we should take a trip down to Nashville and just vibe with Megan Tyler in the studio. 
Yeah. And so, you know, I'm like, cool. You know, I'm always I'm always down with that. So I told him, cool. And next thing you know, we uh, went to Nashville. And this was like December last year. We went to Nashville. And um, that morning, I remember having this idea for a track in my head, like beat-wise. Yeah. And so... And so when we got to Tyler's studio, I asked Tyler, "Let me see the let me see the drum machine." And so the beat idea that I had in my head, I laid it down, the foundation of it down on the drum machine, and had Tyler, um, you know, put it in Pro Tools. And then I, I I asked Tyler to put some guitar, some bass, and stuff on there and finish it up. And he did that. And Meg had already had the woe down title in her head, and then me, me and Meg started kind of collaborating on the hook. And then I went in there and just laid my verses down. For the song, and then next thing you know, in, in about a forty-five minute span, the song was done, and that's yeah. literally step by step how it came about. Man, that's perfect. Only a song that good would be, uh, be that, be that, uh, you know, steadfast and easy to make. But it's groovy. I love it, man. It, it's got everything I like. It's got, it's got the hip hop, and you know, being a southern boy, it's got the right amount of country twang for me in it, and just I, yep. I, can't, I, I can't dance. <laughs> I saw you right. Not feel you. Me neither. Yeah. For real. I know you got that dance now, and everybody's trying to uh, learn it now. Uh, is there now? I, I've seen the music video and like the just the song video, but is there actually an instructional video to actually learn the the dance, the woe down dance? Yeah, it is okay. an instructional video actually to learn the dance. I know it's on my IG page, Chingy at Chingy, but right. it is an instruction video and dance. It's on TikTok. It's it's getting around, and people are actually doing it. So it is actually an instruction video on how to do it. Well, that's awesome. I, I tried to do. I tried to learn the get up. I know you know that, but I couldn't even get down. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I got a little bit of rhythm, but like when it comes to choreography, but that that's awesome. I was just, you know, I've seen some people like I did get on your Instagram and I saw where you, you know, there was one young lady who kind of had it mastered, and you you uh, shared her, and then you talked a little bit about some other things like um, what what's the deal with Radio Disney? Are they are they plugging this song pretty hardcore? Because I know in two. Uh, videos you had, you kind of mentioned them a little bit. Is there something going on with them? Yeah, well, Radio Disney, um, they love the record. And they like the yeah. record. And they've been they've been briefly playing the record, and um, we're trying to just get it in rotation. And, and like they had this um thing where you can vote for the record. I think it was like a mailbag. You can vote at this mailbag um link that they had on a um site. And so like ninety percent, ninety seven percent voted for it. Like a lot of people voted for it. And so I'm pretty sure they're probably gonna be giving it giving it some span. And so yeah. yeah, man, I just I just wanted to thank Radio. That's huge because Radio Disney, we know that's kids and, you know, elderly people listen to that and so all yeah. kinda all kinda walks of life for us age go listen to that. And so with a song like Woe Down, it's a it's a super fun song for everybody. It's not it's not it's not to a specific people or a specific genre for real. It's for everybody. It's yeah. for kids and adults as well. You can be 80 and love the record. You can be 90 and love the record, and you can be eight and love the record. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it, because right out of the gate, you know, they're on the music video, you see the kids getting ready to dance, and I love that for everybody to be involved. And one thing, I mean, I know you're, you know, you're in hip-hop and everything, but one thing I've always said, uh, you know, being a fan of all kinds of music, but country music, like, I think if it's done right, it can be for the whole country. That's why you can call it that. It can't just be singled out. But yeah, this this song definitely has it has you know uh, it has the chingy effect. It just has the perfect right out of the gate. You you know you, you know your rapping style, which is uh, everybody loves. I've loved it forever. And then you got a little bit of that country. I mean, it's just it's a perfect mix, man. It's just a great and what, song. And, I'm sorry. And what? And I, I didn't mean to cut you off. And and see, the thing is, what makes it. Meg and Tyler make it. They give it that country feel. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not. Yeah. You don't hear. You don't hear me on there trying to be a country rapper. That's no, not no, what I'm no. trying to do. Yeah. No, I'm just yeah. trying to be chingy. And yeah. Meg and Tyler give it the country feel. And so, and even with the instrumentation, you you got the pop element and like it gives you all the elements. You know what I mean? That Absolutely. that we love. That we love in music. So yeah, I think I think it's just I think it's just sound. I think it's just creative sound and, 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 and not really thinking far as, oh, okay, let's make this country. Oh, okay, let's make this rap or hip hop. Oh, okay, let's make this pop. You know, yeah. I think it was just us saying, you know what, let's just be universal. Let's make some good sound and music that everyone can like. Yeah. That and that's what I thought because it's like 
it, it's, it, it doesn't sound like it, but it's in the same content of like Old Town Road where you got like good rap music and then you got like a little bit of country in there, but it just blends mm-hmm. it together so everybody can enjoy it. And, and, and that's what you can feel right out of the gate. Like I said, it's got your signature sound on it, which, which gives mm-hmm. it that, that awesome get up and go. And then, you know, a little bit of blend of country. It's like, it's like just a perfect uh, collaboration. It's just a perfect. It's, so it's a perfect marriage. Yes, yeah, it. You you got now. Are you gonna are you gonna take it to like uh you know I don't even know if they're having the CMA Fest this year, but are you gonna do like try to uh, expose it there or do you know some? Uh, I would love to. I would, yeah. I would. I would. I would love to do that. You know, because yeah, yeah they would love it as well. All those all those folks would love it as well. So I would personally, I would I would love for it to go there. Yeah, the the best part is like I said, the dance because if you can add a dance in there and. And get everybody to participate. That's that's where the hook is right there. Where everybody feels involved, you just can't beat that. Um, yeah, man, that 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 would be great. Yeah, I'm down for it. I, like I said, be close to home. I definitely come out there. Like I don't know, you know, what's going on right now with everything with the corona and everybody staying in, unfortunately. But hopefully, there'll be right. a little bit of music here at least by summertime, which is that can we can start talking now. Uh, right in the summer, around June, we're getting some new music from you. Right, a new EP. Oh yeah, man, I'm, I'm finishing up my um. My new EP titled Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel meaning, if you know anything about what they call the third eye. Uh-huh. You know about that, right? It's basically basically the pineal gland. Yeah. What okay. we call what we what what in the metaphysical spiritual world we call the seat of the soul. When yeah. it's basically it's basically what your pineal gland is what secretes serotonin, melatonin, give you your heat. And so, um, I'm I'm kind of a spiritual individual, and so I call the album Pineal Gland because I'm going to talking about digging into knowing myself. You know how it says know thyself, and when it, when I say know knowing myself, it's kind of how I work on a spiritual level and how my how my body works in my temple uh-huh. for as a, a spiritual being on this earth. And so on that project, I'm talking about a lot of spiritual things, getting like getting into like my seven chakras, the seven vortex energy centers within the body that's kind of the spiritual individual worlds if you will that we carry and i'm just giving some knowledge out just some knowledge on 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 the universe knowledge on humanity knowledge on trying to bring things into harmony peace and harmony you know i'm just i'm just speaking some i'm just enlightening people with 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 a lot of wisdom on this project and so that's what it's pretty much about and um, the first thing on this project is going to be called All Caps. And this this is kind of a, this is like a starter, and it's kind of an upbeat jam that's talking about the trials and tribulations in, in my life. And, um, yeah, man, June 12th, I'm looking to drop it, and it's it's going to be a nice project. I want everybody to be looking out for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's exciting. And, and, you know, you talking about that, and, like, I, I noticed, you know, you put a lot of peace and love on your Instagram, and, one another thing I wanted to give you some credit for that I really admired is is how you handle you know the internet trolling and the haters and everything because I watched the video where you're talking about you know people of course everybody's gonna have something to say about everything you're talking about right. the, you know the new song and the way you handle it is a lot better than like I would because <laughs> I'm an emotional right. creature and I think you did it right because you're not giving them what they want and that's want you to fire on all cylinders. You just explained it calmly, and, and I just I admire that. So, um, well, no, well, you know what? Yeah, you gotta you have to kill people with kindness. You know, like getting across a message to people that may not understand something that you're doing. We uh-huh. it, we we also gotta understand this. Like, there's gonna be love and there's gonna be fear. You're gonna get both of those. Out yeah. of love, you create order. Out of fear, you create chaos. So long as you know how to embrace both of them, like I know how to embrace dislike just as well as long, along with like. So if somebody don't like something, I'm not going to go at them and say, hey, what the hell wrong with you? You don't like this? Well, forget you. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to ask them why they don't like it. Yeah. And then I'm going to see why they don't like it. Then I'm going to give them my perspective. And I guarantee you after I, start, after I finish talking to them, they're going to have a change of mind. Most people. Because yeah. some people, some people actually just comment to get a rise out of you. They just uh-huh. want to see if you're gonna say something back. That's usually why they do it. And most of those people, when I was talking about it's not a country rap song, when I they were saying somebody sent them there to do that. 
Oh yeah. Whether whether they felt yeah, they were saying somebody sent them there to do that. You know, whether they liked it or not, and so they just did it because that person sent them there to do it. But you know, I don't like I said, I don't just interact with people who may have an imbalanced perspective. I also interact with them and ask them why they feel the way they feel. And yeah. that's just me, you know, because cause that's, 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 I always tell people, if somebody don't like something of yours, it's not your problem. But what you got to learn to do is embrace dislike just like you embrace like. Uh-huh. You have to. Because if you spend your time worrying about somebody disliking something all the time, you're going to be worried every day. You got to worry about everything. Because you're gonna be worried every day if you're spending your your time with people disliking something. It's gonna yeah. be people disliking stuff all the time. You can't you can't do nothing about it. <laughs> so just yeah. embrace it and, and accept it. Like I said, that's that's uh, that's inspiring. That's enlightening. I mean, I, I just feel like I learned something because you know, being an emotional creature, I just admired it. Sitting back, you know, uh, like yourself, someone I've admired for a long time and appreciated their music and had it in my headphones for years. Like if I'm at the gym, I got to push through that last half a mile, you know, I know, I know right. King, you'll be there for me, but uh, oh, the, yeah. way you ha- the, the way you handle things, man, uh, just, I, I really admire that, it, it, it means a lot for somebody that admires you, and you, you know, the way you handle you handle yourself, it just makes me respect you, you know, that much more, so I just thought you did a great Thanks, job man. on that, yeah, I just wanted to let you know, I just thought that was awesome, because it's like, here you could have said, said anything, because, you know, everybody's going to have something to say, good or bad, and you just handle it, I right. if we, as a whole society, just treat each other like that. Oh my gosh, it'd be so much. You know better. what? And that's my duty. That's one of my duties as a as a universal being. Put her on this earth. Like I'm into numerology, and yeah. my 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 destiny number is six, which means I'm here to be at of service to bring the world to peace, to bring the world into balance with peace and harmony. That's what I do, and so that's what I reflect in my music, and that's what I reflect in my everyday being. And so that's what you get. When you go on my page, you're going to see a lot of positivity, a lot of me trying to uplift and do things and not not really channeling that imbalanced energy in my field and coming across that way because that's my that's my that's my life duty is to bring things into um peace and harmony. That's my life duty. And so I'm I'm here to be of service for everybody. Yeah, well, you've you've done it well uh, over over your career so far because all your songs they they bring a lot of joy and uh, you've served your purpose to the fullest uh, and and I appreciate you and I know a lot of people do. Uh, let's go into let's talk about touring. I know you're ready to get back out there. Uh, have you had to cancel any shows or are you waiting for this? Oh yeah, show? yeah. Oh yeah, man. Um, shows had to be canceled, you know, and ain't and I ain't heard nothing yet. So. For 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 musicians, this is gonna be really really tough because you know we're used to performing in venues and thousand people, you know a lot of people. So this this um pandemic this epidemic is not it's not really contained yet. Like the coronavirus is not contained to the point where we could just go right back to doing that stuff. Yeah. So it's it's gonna affect the musicians a whole lot. And I don't know if it's gonna be to next year or when it is, but you know, whatever, whatever to keep people safe is what I'm with. You know what I mean? I don't want nobody going out there and just getting this virus and then so-called getting ill. Like I heard when they opened back Georgia or Atlanta, or whatever, it was a th- as soon as they did that, a thousand new cases appeared. Oh wow, no kidding. Yeah, so so you know, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a good good idea until we know things are contained. But with something like this, you never you're never gonna know when it's contained if it's if it's just out there like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but I know for musicians we're gonna get hit hard, and yeah, I don't. A lot of my shows got canceled, and I have yet to hear back about really what's going on because, like, I think for artists, performances and stuff like that probably shut down all this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's terrible, and you know, I try to do my end and, and talk to musicians about their art best I can and get it out there, and then you know, if they're on the uh, you know the social media, which I like they do, and they play a show. I try to, you know, drop some money off in their Venmo or whatever they've got because I understand if that's your bread and butter, you know, it's it's hard to, you know, raise a, you know, raise and take care of a family if you're, you know, stuck indoors, which is, you know, you want to be safe, but uh, when your livelihood's on the line, it's just it's just really rough. Yeah, exactly. You said it the best. Yeah, but uh, you know, hopefully, just you know, pray and pray for the well-being of everybody, and and like you said, that this is something we've never faced before, but uh, hopefully, if uh, 
we can, you know, contain. And uh, maybe this, they say it hates heat, so maybe it'll get hot. I, I don't know. I just uh, really I, 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 yeah, heat. <laughs> yeah. I, well, that's what I've been oh, told. I, I, yeah, hold, I told it don't like heat. So you know, I've been fortunate. I hadn't got it or nobody I know directly. So maybe uh, in a month or two it'll get back. And even if you said, you know, artists like yourself usually are playing to thousands of people. I mean, how are they going to handle it? Are they going to reduce it to half? I mean, you know, you, I don't even know what the future is going to be. But I hope it gets back to normal soon because I'm missing my live shows. Right. So I, I agree with you. I'm right there with you. All right, my man. So if people want to check you out, uh, you, all your social medias, I know you got Instagram. How else do they find you? Um, on Instagram, it's at Chingy. On Twitter, it's at Chingy Full Deck. Full okay. Deck, F-U-L-L-D-E-K-K. Same wow. thing on Facebook. And you can also hit up RightThird.com. RightThird, not two T's. It's R-I-G-H-T-H-U-R-R.com. Get you some Dirt merch, Dirt T-shirt or something, and and um, that's how you pretty much get in touch with me. This stand-up comedian, you've seen him on Kevin Hart's Comedy Central series, Heart of the City. You've seen him on the NBC series, Bring the Funny. You've seen him on NBC Chicago PD and on Shameless. I'm talking about the hilarious comedian, Calvin Evans. He's a really, really funny guy. He has a great comfortability on stage that reminds me of that of Dave Chappelle. He's also a really awesome actor. I discovered him last week on Comedy Bar's social media on Instagram, telling jokes about Batman and Bane that were just absolutely awesome. He was kind enough to stop by here on the podcast and discuss a little bit what's going on in his career right now. That's comedian Calvin Evans. Check him out on social medias or on his website. That interview is right now on the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Uh, how I'm good. I'm good. So, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Um, the reason I hunted hunt you down, I wanted to let you know a few days ago I was having um, the worst work day you could imagine, and then you popped up on a Comedy Bar with that Batman Bane joke, man, and just changed the whole trajectory of a man's day. Uh, hilarious, and, and just uh, got to learn about you, and uh, just thank you, man. I really appreciate it. I needed that laugh that day, and it just happened to pop up right at the perfect time. Oh, man, I'm glad I could be of service, man. Yeah, it's just, it was so smooth and so funny. I didn't know where you were going with it, but, <laughs> man, that was well written. I mean, kudos to you. That was like poetry almost. <laughs> oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. You're the first person to tell me my, uh, a joke of mine is poetry. Thank you. Really? Well, hey, I just, I, you know, <laughs> as a man, that, a man that studies comedy who, uh, you know, appreciates the art form, I I, I know people that do it, and it, it takes a lot to uh, to go through it, and that's just, it was very smooth. I just really liked it. <laughs> thank, thank you, man. Thank but, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's let's get to talking about what you got going on. I saw you're doing a Dirty Thirty later. Is that like a live it's live streaming, right? Yeah, so I, I go live on uh, Instagram and um, and Facebook uh, simultaneously. Uh, and it's just this was Dirty Thirty was a it's just it's an opportunity for me to just get jokes out. You know, it's quarantine going on, no no shows, no comedy, no anything going on. So I kind of got frustrated. So I was like, man, I got all these ideas and these thoughts in my head. And it's like, man, let me just let me just go online and just say them. You know. Yeah. And I, I think I, ha, I have been watching people doing stand-up online, and, and, and it, it hasn't been good, but I kind of got to a place where, like, I'm fine kind of talking. I'm kind of fine talking my ideas out without having a response to it. That's how yeah. I treat open mics. Where I'm like, hey, this is just my thoughts. You know, y'all can laugh if y'all want to or not. So it's really like an open mic that I set up for myself. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah, that, that was kind of leading into the next question I was going to say to you, like, uh, uh, live streaming comedy versus an audience. Like, um you know, how how do you feel about it? But you pretty much just described it versus like uh, getting laughs. Now, uh, with that being said, when you do stand up or, or when you do it, do you just go up there with the approach of um, I'm just speaking how I feel and if the laugh's a bonus or, or are you, uh, or is everything you say aiming for a punchline? If that makes any sense. No, I got you. Uh, like my, I, like my comedy is like, it's, it, it, it's, I, I watch I watch so much comedy and I, and I I've got to a point in comedy with myself where it's just like I know what I'm saying is funny I, I like I want people to laugh uh-huh. like I'm not I'm not going up saying things that people want to hear you know you've seen comics so it's just like it's kind of it can come off hacky but it's just like you're not speaking authentically you're not telling your true thoughts yeah. you're saying what what you think people are, oh this is what people would think this is funny so it's like yeah. a character of a, of a comedian so sure. for me for me my my mindset is 
this is this is how I see things. This is why I'm and I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you why this is funny. Why I think about this or how I see this thing. And but yeah, I definitely want people to have a good time. But it's also but it's, it's bringing people into my into my mind. Yeah, yeah. And making and, them laugh at how I see things. And that's not like I was describing it kind of like like it's poetry form. It's like it's like spoken word, but it's hilarious because um, you have a comfortability on stage that it's like you're you're up there kind of like how Chappelle's got it. Like you're comfortable, so you're gonna make the audience comfortable as well. And a lot of people I don't see have that, and you're fortunate enough to have it. So that's really awesome. Oh, thank you, man. It it, it takes work. It takes a lot of work to get to be you know. I'm, people have said that to me, but it takes a lot of work you know to to, to be comfortable on stage. Because, uh, like you said, like like Chappelle, very comfortable. But it's almost like he having a a one sided conversation with you. You just like he, you know, you and you enthralled in, in that conversation that he having. Yeah, because watching him on Netflix, and then I bought tickets. Uh, I'm here in Nashville, but you know, obviously they had to cancel. But whether you wherever you're watching that, even though there's you know ten, fifteen thousand plus there, you feel like he's known you his whole life because it's like he's talking to a group of friends, like you're at an outing, like at a barbecue or at a dinner or something. Absolutely, yeah. And you and him have the same kind of uh, comfortability, and that's why I was kind of drawn to your comedy and became a fan. Um, let me ask you this, okay? I also watched your reel and some of the stuff you've done as far as acting. You're actually a brilliant actor, too. Did that come first, or or, or was comedy first? What, what was the story behind that? Uh, comedy is first. Th- thank you, first of yeah. all. Sure. Uh, but com- comedy came first, and uh, acting was – I mean, I've always I, – I respect actors and people that are, like, you know, trained actors. But uh, with comedy, you know, you do comedy to perform comedy, and then, you know, you get to a point where it's like, oh, I have an agent, I have a manager, but agents and managers don't necessarily make money off stand-up comedy. Like, depending on the type of agent you have, they don't necessarily book comedy shows, so they yeah. send you on auditions for shows so they can make money also. And, you know, uh, to, to further my, my resume, I, I ended up on some shows, but uh, I do... Comedy came first to answer the question. Comedy came first, and I've I've been fortunate enough to to book a few acting roles. And um, but I, I I feel like I still have a long way to go. Like I I really enjoy like you know dramatic acting, like like drama, yeah. more than like like comedy. Like comedy is like fun, but I don't feel like it's just challenging. So I, I have a, a a great respect for for actual actors, people that have you know trained and, and went to school for acting, and that's something that I uh, hope to I aspire to be one day. Yeah, because there are a lot of guys, you know, that, that you know, you see them do stand up, and then and then it's got to be a whole nother ball game. Because you're a great serious actor. Like I was before you called me, I was watching your reel on Shameless, and uh, to be there with um, uh, uh, William H Macy, such a brilliant actor, and to go to toe to toe with him, man, that takes a lot of talent. Because a guy like me'd be kind of intimidated, to be honest with you. <laughs> it, it, and it's it, it's funny. Uh, like on set, like he was like a like super cool. Like I, I mean, I'm like that was like I'm like a day player. Like I auditioned for a small, you know, just for that 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 literally that scene was that was it. Yeah. And you know he was super cool and, and like laid back. And I I took classes at Second City and for for improv. Uh-huh. And um and, and improv they just you know we learn how to be in the moment. It's like make a make a character decision and, and just like make that decision and become that character. And I mean that is some type of that's that that has acting training to it, but it's um through comedy that that we learn in improv. But I, I use that technique all the time where it's just like, okay, this is who I'm gonna be, what makes this character tick and stuff like that. So that I was fortunate enough to, to, to have gone through Second City and have that tool used when I'm uh opposite of William H. Macy in the in the scene. Yeah, which is cool because, I mean, you know, even though, like you said, the role is not the biggest part, but the presence of the guy you had there, I mean, you just feel it in that moment. and I, I just really like that. But, yeah, Second City, that's that's uh, that's the big – everybody who's anybody from, from Illinois went through there, correct? Chicago area? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was just thinking – I had read that about Second City, and that, that's pretty impressive, like, because uh, any time you think of somebody, you know, all your Saturday Night Live characters and everything, they uh, they kind of – where they cut their teeth as far as as far as I've ever been, you know, known in anything. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, like, uh, most recent, uh, like, Chris Redd, uh, he came out. Uh, he's on uh, SNL, like, on the main cast on SNL. So, yeah, you do get a lot of people, like, they, they groom people for, like, the, 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 the performing and also writing style for SNL. Uh-huh. So – yeah, it's 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 a lot of like history in those in that, in that building. Yeah, have you gotten your uh, audition yet for Lauren Michaels? Oh no, you know I went to Second City. I went through the training program, but I, I never had any aspirations for like being on the main stage. There a lot of like main stage people get those opportunities, um, and I I I like 
I, I wanted to go to second to Second City to to say like, hey, you know, I'm a comedian. I'm coming out of Chicago. I want to have that that Chicago, you know, pedigree of saying I, I went through all of the comedy the comedy venues, but I didn't have any aspirations of like being like a. If I if I get that audition, it's cool, but it's not something that I aspire to. I got you. you you're a, you know di- different stroke. You're more uh get out in front of the people and do your thing. I, I see. I just I was curious because you know the people ran through it and everything, and then um. I guess uh, uh, Bernie Mac, he's a big one from Chicago. I don't know if he went through there or not, but that was another comic that came up to mind. You kind of got a little bit of his essence in you as well. No, Bernie Mac didn't go through Second City. No, he he came up came up uh, doing comedy comedy rooms and you know every like he he's he's my he's my 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 favorite comedian. Um, like whenever I like when I he he's first on the list for me just being a Chicago guy. Yeah. And and I I you know read his book. I hate that I, I started doing comedy. Uh, after he passed away, like that's one person I would have loved to meet. Yeah, no doubt. He uh, he was brilliant and uh, you know died real young, like fifty years old. But uh, his actually his my favorite movie he ever did was uh, Soul Men Samuel L. Jackson. I think it was like one of, almost his uh-huh. last ones. And he he was just getting better as he went, and unfortunately uh, you know got taken away too soon. But brilliant all the way through, you know, from the TV show to stand up and everything. Absolutely. What uh, uh oh yeah um another big one and you got recognized by. Uh, Kevin Hart. That means that you're, you know, you're doing something uh, to have him. Uh, did he invite you to be a part of his show? Isn't that correct? Uh, yeah. So um, that 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 particular show, Heart of the City, that was like a at the time, like that was the first season, and it was really like a trial run where they were like trying to uh, spotlight like up and coming emerging talent in different cities. And I was fortunate enough to be on on the second season, and the show since then has grown. Now, I think I think they in that third they have the third season this past year. The show has grown like so much, where it's like the the exposure that comedians after us had. Like the show was great for me, but I, I the second this past third season, it's like man, the the stuff that they're doing for me. Some people were even fortunate enough to get a half hours out of that um, oh, really? through through his uh, LOL network. But yeah, it was that was it was a great experience. Um, I, I learned I learned I learned tele, how tele, television worked on that show. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot. Of, that was like my first time performing stand up on TV, and a, and a lot what you see, what what the general public sees on TV, a lot of times, most times, is not what actually happened in the actual room. Oh, really? So, so my my set that I did on the show was chopped, and and stuff was like like they cut it down. Like I did like an eight minute, eight to ten minute set, and they chopped it down to like a minute and a half for the show, uh-huh. and they chose they chose what jokes they wanted to show. Yeah. So that was that was like a. That was like, oh, okay, you know, this. I didn't get what I wanted, but you know, again, it was a great opportunity. Yeah, like multi-camera, like they position in a certain spot. I would assume, like here, you got to stand here. I don't know how it goes, but I'm assuming it would be a lot of stress just trying to deliver some laughs and, and that kind of setting, anyway. Oh no, it wasn't too bad. I was at at my home club at the time in Chicago. It's closed now. Uh, jokes and notes. So it was it was a comfortable situation. Like the audience, everything was like set up like we were in a comedy club performing. Oh, that's cool. it, was, it was no no stress at all. Yeah, well that's awesome. We can't beat that then. Um uh the ne- the next uh, thing I had you were on that uh, it wasn't it's not called Last Comic Standing anymore, but you competed on the that new NBC show. I, I can't remember the name of it. I know there was Bring the Funny or something, but what what was no, the one you were it. called? That's, that's it. it, Bring the Bring the Funny. Okay, I didn't know if it had another name. What what was that experience like? That sh- that was, that was I met a lot of um a lot of like talented uh a lot of talent. I, I want to say comedians, but a lot of talented comedic acts from around the country. Uh-huh. And that show, that show was, you know, I don't. I, that was like literally like my first competition, like nationally televised competition. I've done competitions before, but yeah. on that level, it's literally it's, it's it's scary because every time you walk out on the stage, it's like I could be going home. Like I, I made it to the second round out of four rounds, and and it's tough because with, with comedy, it's so subjective. You know what what one person like another person won't like and you're judging somebody on that. Yeah. You're getting judged by people. So it's like that was a that was a it was an exciting time and it was a, a very um sad time when I when I got cut from the show because I, I felt confident in my set and I didn't make it to that to the third round. I, my goal was to at least make it to the third round of the show. And that that didn't happen. So it was like I was in disbelief for for a little while afterwards. Yeah. That's unfortunate, man. Uh like I said, unfortunately with competitions when it comes to comedy or anything, uh, mm-hmm. a lot lot of politics, uh, I'm sure, floating around at certain 
I mean, I don't really know how it goes, but, you know, when it comes I, to voting, there's always got to be, you know, there's something a little different about it, but, you know. Yeah, and like and like like I like you said, like like co- competition and comedy because comedy is so subjective. Like in a singing competition, it's like who sang the best that night. Did they pick the right song? Like did, you can out sing somebody, but it's just like you can have two two different people with with different comedy styles be just as funny, and you got to make a decision on which one wins. That's that's tough. Yeah, the, yeah, that's what that's what I mean exactly. It's not you know get up there and sing like you said. Whoever hits the notes right and and, and can you know perform. That's a whole other thing, but. But jokes, like you said, there's so many different varieties of how people tell jokes from their setups to, you know, their persona, like you said, character comedians or, or you know, people like you, more straight-laced, more authentic. It, it's all over the place. It all depends on, you know, what somebody judging you feeling that night, I guess. Oh, yeah. All right, my man. Well, let's uh, – I appreciate your time, and, uh, you know, we'll check you out here later on your uh, on your deal, The Dirty 30. Um can you uh, can you tell us where to find you on your social medias and everything? We'll give you a little plug right quick or anything you want anybody to know. Uh, you can always find me at, a Cal, at, at Calvin Evans Comedy on IG, at Calvin Evans Comedy Show on YouTube. I got a bunch of, like, old clips up there. Um, uh, Facebook, Calvin Evans, Instagram. Uh, not Instagram, I'm sorry, Twitter is just Calvin Evans underscore. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, mainly I'm always on IG. I'm always posting stuff on IG, so at Calvin Evans Comedy on IG. And my website is uh, CalvinEvansComedy.com. That's awesome, and like I said, I want to tell everybody if you if you go to Comedy Bar on any social medias and see your little your little uh you know bit about Batman and Bane, it really it's 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 really awesome. We were fortunate this week on the podcast to have guitar player and vocalist Jamie James sit in and talk with us for a little bit. He is a member of Hollywood superstar Dennis Quaid's band, Dennis Quaid and the Sharks. We talk to him about that, and he also does an acoustic duo called Quaid and James. Not to mention, he is the lead singer and guitar player, founding member of the King Bees. He's originally from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Moved to Los Angeles, California, at age 21, 45 years ago, on May 15th. We discuss all that and more here on the podcast. Jamie James. So we're talking about. The King Bees and the rockabilly scene that you kind of pioneered there in Los Angeles, and we're talking about Nashville, and you were about to tell me a really awesome story. So if you could, uh... oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, there was there there were uh, in, in L.A. at that time there was another group around too back in the late '70s called Levi and the Rock Cats. <laughs> yes, uh, Levi Dexter is a British guy, and they, they're a wonderful group, fun to watch. But anyway, we we got we got a record deal, and we were the first kind of band and uh, around here that that got a record deal. Uh, well, the Knack had a deal, and they had a big hit with My Sharona. But as far as the L.A. bands, whether you were playing new wave or ska or rockabilly, and ours was uh, you know we were very much a roots band because I modeled modeled the band after Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Uh-huh. And, uh, but I, we, our first record came out. Now, on that record, uh, we, our first song on the record is called Sweet, Sweet Girl to Me by Don Gibson. So I got a I got a phone call from Nashville from a Wesley Rose Jr. And uh, his father was Fred Rose, a, a. Cuff Rose. And, mm-hmm. but, and Wesley was an old boy then. You know, he was uh, <laughs> he must he must because, you know, he was. Uh, he had to be in his in his I, I guess sixty. Now that I'm sixty six, it doesn't seem so old, but it seemed old to me at the time. Yeah. Uh, so he flew out to L.A. to meet me, and uh, I, I met him up. I met him at the Beverly Hills Hotel over there in Sunset, and uh, and we had lunch. He treated me to a nice lunch, and 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 of course, you know, uh, I was still a starving musician at that time because our record had just come out and nothing had happened with it, and yeah. I was. I was curious to see what he wanted. And of course he ended up, he wanted to get all, all the publishing because I, I wrote all the songs for the first record except two. And, uh, and uh, so, uh, but I decided not to go that route, but he gave me uh, a whole stack of music books with the whole collection of Roy Orbison, uh, the Everly brothers, uh, Hank Williams, all kinds of stuff. But I, I remember, I remember him, you know, he had, he was, he was quite a nice, uh, you know, a very much a Southern gentleman. And, uh, uh, I, I think about that meeting often because we we hung up for about two and a half hours just talking. To, he was telling me all kinds of stuff about the old days and uh, and and the bands and the, you know he was particularly fond of the Everly Brothers. I think I think he he seemed to like you know I, I think you know he was obviously very wealthy 
And uh, I think basically he, you know, he uh, had his offices were on top of the bank where he kept all the all his money. (laughs) (laughs) Be close to it at all times. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that. You speaking of the Everly Brothers, where I live, I live in Columbia, Tennessee. It's it's a little shy of Nashville, but Phil Everly had a home here. Um, Oh. And one of the he, he was a history buff, and he bought an old Civil War home and. One of the things was is I'm shopping in Walmart of all places, and I've got a puppy in the basket with me back when you could take puppies in there. Or I don't know if you could. I just took it. And I'm in the aisle getting the dog, all this new stuff. And this gentleman comes by, and he's like, hey, I really like your dog. And he's asking me what it is and all this stuff. And it took me a second, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, are you Phil Everly? And he's like, yeah, absolutely, just the nicest guy. Wouldn't think to look at it. He's talking about my dog. Hey, I'm sitting to like a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame legend just – Really cool, great, great human being. <laughs> oh man, that's a great story. Yeah, they're 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 really. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not one of these people that likes to say I, you know, they're one of my favorite bands because I love so much all kinds of music. I mean, all kinds of stuff. But truly, I, I, there, there are, you know, like I have very few records, but the, the Everly Brothers, one of their greatest hit records, is on my, on my uh, phone. Uh, they're, you know, they're one of the, they're one of the, I just, there's not a record that they made that I don't love. Uh, the, every one of their records was fabulous. Wonderful. Yeah. I, I like, uh, you know, the, there's some of the older ones, the storytelling ones, the ro- the roving gambler and the one where the mom's picking up her precious boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just all that great stuff. But they're, they're uh, you know, their DNA um, harmonies, just like you said, uh, or we were talking about like really liking them. Just well, you, like it. You must be a musician because to make a comment like that, right? You're you're a musician. I used to once upon a time be a really good drummer. Now I just love discussing it with awesome people that play like yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Well, well, that's right. The DNA harmonies. I mean, you know, listen. Only I think uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, and I can't think of many others had harmonies. You know, I mean, even the Beach Boys had that DNA advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the only ones I really know that weren't DNA was um, Buck Owens and his guitar player. I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, yeah. I, I don't remember his name either, but yeah, they were right. Their harmonies were very, very yeah. good. Sounded like the same guy singing at times. <laughs> well, yeah, um, yeah. anyway, you brought up something interesting when you were talking to Dick Clark. First of all, that must have been awesome to be on American Bands. <laughs> no, um, that, was a, that was a thrill, man. That was a thrill. Yeah. And, you know, you guys uh, are a really tight group, and he really seemed to enjoy you. But what I really liked, and if you could discuss a little bit more, was about, um, you know, of course, back in that day, calling somebody on a dial-up phone. And I, I don't remember who you said you were talking to, but you were playing him some songs and kind of demoing it live or whatever, and you, you thought he had put you on hold or something. I just loved that story. Oh, yeah. Well, well, first of all, let me just say about Dick Clark. Now, when I got the call for us to do American Bandstand, uh you know, uh, you know, I was of course thrilled because you know I was born in 1953 and I grew up watching bands on American Bandstand. That, that and Ed Sullivan were really because uh, you know I didn't, I, I never tuned into Hullabaloo or any of the other shows, but American Bandstand and, and uh, Ed Sullivan were where where I saw a lot of great music. And sure. It was it was a thrill. And then when we showed up, we were actually he usually had two acts uh, on his shows a lot of the time and. And so we were actually opening, going to open for Chaka Khan. And uh, when we went out to the soundstage to do our little sound rehearsal uh, before they, they, they taped the show, uh, Dick heard us, and he liked that kind of – he loves old rock and roll type stuff. So he switched it around and, and put us in Chaka Khan's spot, and, you know, she wasn't really that happy about it. But uh, <laughs> but so, and, and I didn't know. So we instead of doing one song, we, we, we did two songs. And, and nobody told me he was going to come out and talk to me between songs. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, he, so when he walked toward me, I don't mind being, you know, when I'm playing my guitar and singing, I can stand in front of anybody. But uh, to sit there and just talk, and he came over, when he started walking toward me with that microphone and stuck it in my face, my knees started to knock. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I got nervous. And, you know, because here I am with this, you know, my one of my idols from my childhood on, on TV, and I'm surprised I had no spit in my mouth at all. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so, and then he starts talking to me and he, he's really good because he leads you, you know, he, he can tell that you're dumbfounded and don't know what to say. So he just leads you. Uh, but he must've done some background or something because 
the story that you're talking about is, you know, when I first started the King Bees, and that was in 1978, and the Buddy Holly movie had just come out, Sounds of Buddy Holly. Uh And, uh, and I had been on the road the year before in 1977 with a with the first reformation of Steppenwolf without John Kay. They they'd had a lawsuit, and anyway, Goldie McJohn and Nick St. Nicholas and Kent Henry, uh, they 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 I, I went and auditioned, and they, uh, but it turned out to be it, it was a great experience for me. But I could see that it was going nowhere. So after 10 months, I just left it, and uh, so so then I had an idea. Uh, uh, you know, I, I saw the Buddy Holly movie, and I, and, and I tur- it turned out that I had an occasion to spend an afternoon with Gary Busey and a friend of his. Wow! And I said to Gary, I said, hey, by the way, are you going to do this? Your what you did on the Buddy Holly story? Are you going to do any of that like live? And so he goes, No, I've got no plans to do that. So I got the idea that I could put a thing together called the Sounds of Buddy Holly and just do like a you know kind of a Las Vegas type show. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 I there was a mime on Hollywood Boulevard at that time. I lived up the street from Hollywood Boulevard, and there was a mime. He called himself Eggman, and <laughs> he and I used to. I'd see see him sometime down at this corner burger shop, and uh, and uh, we'd talk. And he and he 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 happened to bring up Buddy Holly to me, and I and I said, well, I know some of his hits, and so he made a cassette for me of every Buddy Holly song. And when I got home, I learned. I stayed up for two days and learned every song I could learn. So I started to do that, and then of course it transitioned because I got my neighbor uh, next door who, who was a drummer, and 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 Michael Rummins lived up the street, a bass player, and we just I asked him to come over and we started jamming on it, and and so we started rehearsing in my living room. Rex would just play on his knees, and and uh, you know we would just bang away. So when we had a few songs out, and I wrote a few songs, and I thought you know instead of calling the sounds of Buddy Holly, I'm just gonna call it the King Bees. And so I called up this booking agent. I called this booking agent uh, to see if we could audition for him on the phone. And so I got a hold of him, and uh, and he said, "Okay, go ahead. Let me hear what you guys got." So we 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 you know started a, a song and and uh, and I we played it and I thought it sounded really good. So I was excited and I said, "How'd you like that? How'd you like that, man?" And yeah. there was nothing. Silence. <laughs> and, and I and I'm like, "Hello, hello, hello." And, 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 and I, I go to the guys, I think he hung up on us. And I thought, oh, man, he, just, he, he didn't like our sound at all, obviously. Yeah. But just as, I, just as I was about to hang up, uh, he, uh, he came back on, on the phone and said, hey, 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 are you still there, Jamie? And I said, yeah, man. I said, what's going on? He goes, oh, I'm just on the other line. I, I, I can, I'm, I'm booking you guys some shows right now. This is great stuff. <laughs> yeah. And just, I, like that, just like that, we started playing nightclubs around L.A., just like that. Yeah, I, I love that story because that's just – that's something you don't hear too often. And, and of course, I was born in 82, and, um, you know, I remember having the phone at home and, and all that good <laughs> yeah. stuff. And this is before you got a text, you know, be right back or hold on yeah. on the other line. And just, you know, you're pouring your heart out playing music, and you're like, oh, man, here I am, got a, you know, got a, uh, some elevator music going on or something. I just thought that was great. And then – on top of that, like when Dick Clark's talking to you, he's got that thin microphone like you don't see anymore, like Bob Barker. Yeah, I know. Kind of. Classic. Classic. <laughs> yeah, but I understand what you mean. Plus, your bass player over there, it's it's one thing to play your instrument, but to hold it and try to have conversation with a big heavy bass around your neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you you said, okay, uh, the drummer, you shared a room, or, you know, your walls were like, you, his apartment was right next to yours. So That's you right. Met him first, and then met your uh, you met your bass no, player. No, no, no. I, I no. I actually met Michael first. I, I it, it's it, it, to tell you the truth. Today is May fifteenth, uh, yeah. and it's forty five years ago today wow. that I but I came moved to L A. and I moved in with a friend of mine named Paul Warren. He lives uh, in, in Nashville. He's a great guitar player. He played cool. the lead guitar on Papa Was a Rolling Stone, and uh, you know when he was uh, like you know a teenager. And uh, he, played, he played with Rod Stewart for a long time. You can look him up, Paul Warren. Um, I will. And he's been playing with that fellow. I can't remember his name. The the, the God rest his soul. The, the guy that just passed away last week that was uh, had been singing in Bad Company for a while. He and Paul have been doing shows together this last while. But anyway, yeah, with Paul. Uh, so I came down because he and I, Paul and I, had been playing together in a band in Detroit in 1973. So May May 1575 is when I moved out here. And uh, 
and 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 so the next day I I I ran into some kids in Hollywood Boulevard. I was 21 years old, and they said told me about a party that was happening the next day. Uh, in Laurel Canyon. So I walked, I didn't have a car or anything. It wasn't that far to walk. And I was just, it was so exciting to be in LA with the palm trees and stuff. And as I'm walking up toward the, where the address for the party, I see the girl, I see Maureen McCormick that played the oldest girl in the Brady Bunch driving down in the chocolate brown Mercedes Benz. And I went, wow, I have really <laughs> hit the jackpot. This is the place to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, she was a, uh... Yeah, she she was the what Marsha, right? Yeah, she looks stunning, and I'm like, are you kidding me? So I, I, I go I go up to this I go up to this party, and and, uh, and and of course there were instruments lying around and stuff, and everybody liked to jam. Laurel Canyon was filled. This was 1975, so there was a lot of musicians in Laurel Canyon, and and uh, you know jam sessions and the, and that's where I met the bass player Michael Romans. He was there, and he and I just happened to hit it off. And afterward, I started talking to him and. He gave me his phone number, and uh, we stayed in touch. And when it was time to, well, for me to put the King Bees together, I called Michael. And uh, and uh, and we're still we we've been friends ever since. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I watched a couple of uh, YouTube videos as well with you playing alongside him, and you know, kind of discussing who was the, uh, you know, how you had met and everything. And I was like, it must be a really good uh, friendship, a dynamic, and everything to have a partnership let alone a pal that long in your life i mean that's just that's longer than most marriages you know nowadays <laughs> no and, and you know it's funny because michael and i were in this we just went into the studio uh, back in january the end of january he had some new songs and he wanted me to play guitar and sing on them they're wonderful songs and so i finished them off and wrote some lyrics and stuff and we went in and uh and 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 you know we uh, we 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 just had fun. I mean, we still love we still love playing together. We don't get to play together very often, but when we do, it's just magic. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, not to change the subject, but uh, I, I noticed while talking to you, uh, your voice is so clear and profound. You you must do voiceovers in in L.A. You I would imagine you're a commercial guy. Maybe uh, do like uh, voiceovers and stuff of that nature. No, no, no. I'm only interested in one thing: music. I hear you, but I'm sure I'm sure you've probably been approached, or you could definitely do it. Because as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking this guy could easily sell somebody like a Pontiac or a Nissan. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. let's uh, yeah, um, let's let's fast forward to uh, which is uh, you know I get this email and I'm checking out you know which is I wasn't too familiar, but how'd you get hooked up with Dennis Quaid and and the Sharks here? This like because I mean I've known him as an accomplished actor. I wasn't aware other than when he did. Um, great balls of fire that he really had you know any desire for music well you know listen you know dennis is a very mysterious talent he is really one of the best songwriters that i've ever had the pleasure to meet and you know it just so happened that his his you know calling you know it was to become a movie star but man that guy can write some really good songs really really good songs Anyway, really? I, I've been play, I've been playing with uh, you know uh, I was approached in the late 1980s by a friend of uh, by a, a friend of my uh, girlfriend's father, an actor named Harry Dean Stanton. Now I didn't know he was an actor, and when I met him uh, at a July Fourth barbecue, I I thought he was just kind of a homeless guy that they were having over, you know, to be kind. <laughs> and uh, I, I said to him, "Excuse me, Harry." Uh, I didn't know uh, that the buses ran in Los Angeles on July 4th because I thought he must have taken a bus to get there. And he yes. just that, that just cracked him up as I didn't recognize him. I, I just didn't. Uh, I, 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 I and I had seen Alien, but I didn't remember he was in it. And I had seen other movies he'd been in, but I just didn't. I didn't. You know. And uh, but anyway, uh, he, he used to come down to this little place in Hermosa Beach called the Lighthouse where the King Bees would play. And 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 so I had him sit in one time. And uh, he's, I said, what do you want to do? And I used to do Marty Robbins' El Paso. I love singing that song because it's like a yeah. one-act play. You know, it's at 12 verses. And um, so Harry said, let's do El Paso. And when we did it, he sang an extra verse that I wasn't familiar with. So afterward, I said, man, did you make that up on the fly? He goes, no, no, that's on the song. I said, no, it isn't. I've got that record. I've had that record for years. I said, He goes, no, it's not on the record because they, uh, they censored it off, but it's in the sheet music. So I went the next day to a, 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 a music store called Samuel French on Sunset Boulevard, and I found the sheet music, and sure enough, he was right. Wow. And, and, and so I called him up, 
And, uh, and I said, man, you were right. So I respected him. So he eventually, he approached me about wanting to do music together. And so we did for about nine and a half, almost 10 years. And that was a great learning experience for me. And, uh, you know, we lost old Harry a couple of years ago, unfortunately, but he lived a long life. He was 91. But anyway, he was friends with Dennis. And that's how I met Dennis was through Harry. Uh, Dennis one day said, I'm going to a screening of a friend of mine. Uh, he's got a movie called uh, Any Given Sunday. And uh, it's, a, it's a premiere. You want to tag along? And I said, sure. So we went over there and, and we sat in the back row so Harry could sneak out and smoke. And then Dennis came. When he, he got in there late and he came in, he sat in the back next to Harry. And that's how we met. And so Harry and I used to do Saturday nights at this little club called The Mint on Pico every every Saturday at midnight. And Dennis was at our next show. And I, and I, I invited Dennis to get up and jam with us. And, uh, and that's how it all got started. That is too cool, yeah. And uh, I saw it's like you got uh, 10 years together and then decided to finally cut an album. Yeah, well, we played, you know, because we were just, we started in 2000. You know, Dennis, uh, you know, he kind of uh, approached me and talked to me about the idea of doing something. And I said, sure. So then he and I and his son, Jack, went up to uh, his ranch in Montana. And we wrote a bunch of songs together and and, uh, played a bunch of music and then came back and then, uh, Jack, you know, called Dennis said, "What do you think we should call the band?" And Jack said he was watching. Uh, it was Shark Week on on uh, National Geographic Television, and so he said, "Call it the Sharks." And and that's exact. And I remember Jack saying that in his high little voice. He was about ten years old at the time. But uh, yeah, that's that's how we got that started. And we used to play live, and uh, uh, you know, and we, we we you know Dennis was so busy with his movie career that we you know we we would just play when he was free, you know, and. But he, he he developed as a songwriter, and he and we started putting more and more of his original songs in our set. Because at first we just started off as kind of a party band, and uh, and then one day I said, Dennis, we got to record some of these songs. I mean, these are fantastic. On my way to heaven, and some other ones he writes. We really truly got to record these, and yes. uh, and so we we did. We went in and made a record, and uh, uh, you know it was it was. I'm very proud of that record. Yeah, that's awesome. And like I said, in, in the making. You know, and even some of the covers are are very uh, elegantly done. I was I was digging that, kind of checking it out. Um, but yeah, that's that's awesome. It's always interesting to you know see somebody that's been so accomplished as an actor, and then you know also be able to you know have another uh, art you know such as music and just take it to the next level. It's just always fascinating to me to have so much talent in, in one person. <laughs> yeah, it's it's no, it's it's it's, it's really phenomenal. It's incredible and. Uh, and uh, you know, but it, you're right. It, it is. It's rare, but it's out there. You'll see some people that switch. Look, I mean, look at Chris Christopherson. I mean, he made movies. That, you know, he's obviously one of the best songwriters of our time, and yeah. uh, and and also did some great films as well. And uh, and there's others, you know, that are that are that are doing, and they're doing quality, uh, whether it's music or acting. They're doing quality work. That's it. Like, yeah, and that's what I like about it. It's not thrown together like, hey, let's do this and write on a name. It's it's actually, you know, talent involved, and that's what really drew me to it. Um, well, that with that being said, you know, and all this unfortunateness with COVID nineteen, are you uh, when are you when are you guys up and running again as far as performance? Well, I tell you the truth, Dennis and I got together last Saturday very carefully, you know, with distancing and everything over at his house, and he's uh, we, we we were just doing uh, uh we were just uh, just playing together. And last year he approached me about an idea he had just called Quaid and James, where we do to try and do some shows, just the two of us acoustically uh, with mostly his original stuff. Mm-hmm. And we did a few shows like that and, and it, it, you know, it felt good. That's cool. So, so uh, I'm I'm going to go over there tomorrow. I, you know, I don't know when we're going to do anything as a band or that, but honestly with me, I, I've never really thought about that. What I think about, I love playing the music and I, and I, I really enjoy playing with Dennis because we have a chemistry and we have ever had that first time ever since that first time we jammed together. And it turns out we're both the same age and we both got guitars the same year when we were 13. And there's a lot of things that we have, you know, uh, in common, you know what I mean? I grew up in a little town called Woodstock, Ontario, Canada, and he grew up in a big city called Houston, Texas. So they're kind of, <laughs> but we both somehow discovered a guitar, you know, and, and, uh, and, and learning songs and stuff. So there was a lot of common denominators there. And, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, so yeah, I'm going to see him tomorrow and, uh, uh, I'm sure on his, uh, Facebook page, we'll, we'll put, let people know, but I, I don't know. This is, these are times that are just, uh, 
uh, it's, it's unpredictable. Yeah, it's very and it's unfortunate because the thing I love the most, which is is music and and especially live music, is you know it's been resorted to uh, you know your Facebook lives or your live feeds and social media, which is better than nothing. But you know I just can't wait to get back to that day where I can just sit in a chair and just take it all in somewhere or, or stand up wherever. Well, well wherever that's, and I and I think you're right, and I and I, and I think though you know because. Especially in the nice weather in the summer, I just I don't see why we couldn't still continue to have outdoor concerts and parks and things. I think you're going to see a lot more of that kind of stuff, and uh, you know because um, anyway I don't know. No one I don't have a crystal ball. I mean all I know is is that you know I I sing and play my guitar here at home every day and uh, and I'm ready whenever the call to duty comes. I'll be there. You know I'm ready. I hear uh-huh. that. Best way to be <laughs> ready, yeah. ready to rock and roll. Well, that's cool. You're doing, uh, you know, you're doing the duo as well. And plus, you're you're a really good singer, so it probably uh, helps the effort, you know, singing together and harmonizing and everything. So, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, like like uh, like I like to tell Dennis all the time. You know, my job is to make him sound real good. <laughs> that is the conclusion to another episode of the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. Special thanks to my guests, Chingy, comedian Calvin Evans, guitarist and vocalist Jamie James. And thank you, the listeners, for listening to this podcast. I love it. Couldn't do it without you listening. And uh, just uh, really, really appreciate you taking the time. If you know anybody you think would be a good guest, have them hit me up, joshbelcher at hotmail.com. Now, I want you to have a great, safe, fantastic, fun-filled week. And I want you to remember I love you for you and where you're at in life. And we'll catch you next week with a fresh episode of the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. And away we go. Have a good one. All right, bye, everybody.